Well, good morning, Zinger Nation. Happy Friday. Today is the last day of trading for 2023, and you came to the right spot. We are going to break down uh, all the biggest stories you need to know heading into the new year, as well as a 2024 outlook. Talk about how we're feeling about the market. I've got my man, Dennis Dick, hanging out in the background. Going to bring him on in a second. We've also got Hit the Bid, Mr. Kenny Glick, coming on at 8.35 a.m. Eastern. So again, you guys came to the right place this morning. You know, uh, you best place to spend the last day of trading of 2023. Let's go ahead and get the show started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All righty, before I bring Dennis on, let's just take a quick look at the major and to see how we're trading this morning. Going to be looking at Benzinga Pro Charts today, so we want to have a slightly different look. Um, the S&P 500, you can see right here in the pre-market, edging a little bit higher. Let's go uh, here to the five-minute candles. Um, Qs, go over the Qs. Technology trading a little bit lower this morning, so maybe uh, tech showing some weakness. We're going to talk about the Magnificent 7, Dow slightly in the green. Dennis, how are we feeling about the market on the last day of 2023? So far, so good. I mean, the market holds up while Santa Claus has still come to town. We were up slightly since we started the Santa Claus rally five trading sessions ago here. Um, obviously, the two January days they consider in the Santa Claus rally, too. So they still say there's two more days of Santa coming to town here. I'm always cautious going into the new year. You have different effects that we are going to talk about here today. Obviously, when you get into the end of the year, you talk about taking profits. You talk about window dressing. You talk about um, tax loss selling. All of those things could be happening today. If you were in the U.S., this is your last day to book those losses or if you want to take the gains i don't know why you'd be taking gains if you want to push them to the next day but you also have window dressing that happens where you have fund managers that certain stocks have had a fantastic year they may want to have those stocks on their books for the end of the year because imagine you didn't own nvidia and it's had this kind of year it's like i better buy it at the end so i can show it on my books when i give out those year end of the year statements to my clients so lots of play lots of you know factors to consider here um, other than that, it's typically a quiet day here, though, AB. Yeah, I mean, look, right now, I mean, there's just, I, I think companies know that, you know, people are still out of office, maybe not as much trading activity. So if they've got some big press release, some big news to release, chances are they're going to wait until the new year and, and uh, you know, and, and wait until everyone's back at their office and, and trading. So not the not the busiest news stories, but we do have a few. Um, let's start with a couple downgrades in some transportation uh, stocks or the ride sharing stocks, I should say, more specifically Uber and Lyft uh, caught some downgrades. Dennis trading lower this morning into the market. Um, what do you see here? Yeah, typically ratings, um, you don't see hardly any this week. It's very quiet for ratings. What you will see come Tuesday and Wednesday is the most ratings you'll probably see all year because they have the analysts coming out there and giving their picks for the year. So you won't see that today, but you will see it starting Tuesday and especially into Wednesday. So get ready for the ratings parade because those analysts will be very busy come Tuesday and Wednesday. But today, quiet. We do have, like you said, two ratings, Lyft and Uber, both getting downgrades from Namira and trading down both the both in the pre-market. They both had really good runs. So this is more, I think, profit-taking thing than anything the lift one is to reduce the uber rating is down to neutral so reduce equaling sell um lift has run it's went from 10 to 15 in the last month so it's been a pretty good run so you got namira booking some profits here um without yeah, I mean, this is a stock that has lagged for a long time could there be continued follow-through as this potential leaders to laggards thing comes in for january that's possible Uber has been running. We're just covering both here together and let you come in here, AB. Um, Uber, 
has been running ever since it got added to the S&P. Obviously, there was rumors it was going to get added to the S&P. It was getting bought ahead of those rumors. Then, indeed, it did get added. You can see the gap up in the chart back on December the 4th. It was added to the S&P and has continued to go up since. Yeah, and I was just going to say, I mean, looking at this chart, you can just see the massive move in Uber over the last couple of months where my cursor is right here is kind of November 1st. So really just all of November and all of December, Uber has been ripping from about $40 to more than 62. So, I mean, that's more it's than... Not- uh, you, you know, more than a 50% gain in two months. Mm. So if you're, if you've been in this and you've been making money on Uber and Lyft the past two months, I, I, it'd be hard not to consider taking some profits. Um, just to back up for a second, uh, Dennis, cause we were talking about, you know, window dressing and tax loss harvesting. Well, you yes. know, what exactly is window dressing? And I guess if you had to look at people taking profits or, you know, tax law, I don't know. I don't know if there's going to be a lot of tax loss selling this year, because I don't know if there's going to be a lot of losses this year. I I mean, this is the thing. So that's a major consideration here, A, being a fantastic point. It has been a very good year for most stocks. And if we would have closed and October would have been the end, I would have said, yeah, there's lots of things. You know, IWM was sitting on a two-year low. But because November and December were so strong, I mean, when I'm trying to look for laggards for a January effect, I'm struggling to find them because nothing is lagging anymore. Everything has played catch-up. There's a few laggards out there, but everything has basically played catch-up here. So there's not a lot of laggards here coming into the new year. What does that mean? It means that you're more prone to maybe profit-taking when you get towards the next calendar year. So obviously, that's already happened for Canada. I've talked about Canada trading on settlement date. But the U.S. goes, IRS goes off of trade date. So you do have one more day if you're a U.S. citizen to obviously, um, you know, take any losses that you want to take. Or if you're booking gains, I would think you want to push it to next week. So if I was like sitting on a 100 or 200% gain in NVIDIA, I'd probably wait to sell it until next week so I didn't have to pay that tax for a full year. So that's what I'm talking about with the implications from that. So I agree with you. I don't think you're going to see a hell of a lot of tax loss or harvesting here today because I don't think there's a lot of people sitting on uh, a real lot of losses after the big run that we've had in the last couple of months. Window dressing now is something where portfolio managers, fund managers basically want to make their portfolio look really good to their clients. So if you've had some stocks that have really had you know some strong leadership and everybody's hearing about NVIDIA relentlessly on CNBC and major media all year, the AI play, well, now you send your statement out to your to your clients and, well, they'll be like, why doesn't he own NVIDIA? That doesn't make me too happy. So that's what window dressing would be is that they would buy, if they didn't own NVIDIA going into this run, they may buy it today just so it's on their statements for when they're sending that to their clients. So that's what window dressing is. It would say that his, you know, from, a, from a seasonality perspective, you often see strength today in some of those leaders and weakness in some of those laggards. So NVIDIA... Microsoft. I mean, we can just go through the Magnificent Seven if you want. It's probably a pretty good exercise to go through right now because maybe, you know, talk with the charts heading into the new year. I mean, Magnificent Seven drove the bus all year. We're obviously talking about Microsoft, Apple, Google, Meta, Tesla, NVIDIA, Amazon. And then I always kind of throw Netflix too. So it's almost the Mag 8. So the eighth wonders of the market. That's what really drove the bus this year. Those are the stocks that maybe portfolio managers want to have. So you would think that they may have a a decent day today and then the potential rug pull next week if you're just playing it from a season perspective. Yeah, and I think that's an important distinction to make because with tax loss harvesting, you kind of when the market's down, you can see that across the board from retail investors to fund managers and all this. Whereas, you know, the window dressing you're talking about is more so going to be the institutional players. And also, I mean, you have to at the end of the quarter, a lot of these funds and institutional managers have to rebalance anyway. So if some of their stocks, technology stocks, the past quarter are up, you know, 50 percent and they need to kind of have a more equal weighted balance and there could be some some end of year adjustments there so a lot of the, a lot of that stuff this year dennis i i agree is going to be coming way more from the institutional side than anything else so should we'll keep an eye on that uh this morning and into today you mentioned nvidia edging a little bit higher this morning uh not by much up about 0.43 of about half a percent pre-market two bucks so not nothing but uh there was a, a a small headline for NVIDIA individually mentioned that the the individual headlines news cycle pretty slow right now, but basically uh, the U.S. 
told NVIDIA that, hey, if you want to keep shipping chips to China, you got to slow them down. So NVIDIA is basically sending a dumbed down version of its chips to China. And that's just U.S.'s way of saying, hey, you know, we're not going to let China use our technology uh, to, you know, do all this stuff with AI and, and help grow its economy. So just kind of, uh, you know, saw that headline across my desk this morning. As you can see, NVIDIA back up you know, basically trading at all time highs. But this chart, Dennis, to me, looks a little bit, you know, kind of you've got a top here, top here. It could be kind of a triple. Got some major resistance of 500 bucks. Yeah. I'm, I'm still long NVIDIA in my long-term portfolio. I still think it's going to be a major story in 2024. So I don't think the story is going away. Do we get a cool off period next week? I think it's possible. I think you could get a pullback here in the entire Magnificent Seven because I think there's a lot of money that's sitting on a lot of profits there. And I think that that could be some profit taking into that next week, especially if you get, sometimes it takes like a spooky headline, an analyst call. Sometimes it's just like a little bit of selling and then it can be get more selling. You know, we saw what happened with the zero uh, DTE trade a week and a half ago when they just did the rug pull and we lost 50 S&P handles and what felt like a blink of an eye. So, I mean, there is those implications there. We can talk about that in a little bit. People asking for the year review. I mean, that is what we're going into here right now. This year in review was the Magnificent Seven. I think we're going to cover all those stocks technically here right now just to give you this setup. I think AB has outlined a very good point of resistance. $500 is major resistance for NVIDIA. You do set up where it could be okay today, but I think you got to be a little nervous if you're in this for a day trade going into next year because of all those people sitting on the profits. I do think longer term, NVIDIA is going to be higher. This is one of my picks going into the next bull market. And if that is starting, I think NVIDIA will be your leader. I think this could be a seven or $800 stock eventually. That's why I'm still long into my long-term portfolio. So I would be a buyer of dips, but I do think you could get a dip next week. So as a day trader, I'm probably potentially maybe playing for a little pop today, but not getting too married to the position. I wouldn't want to hold it into next year, just in, into January. Um, as a long-term investor, I think I stay long just because I think the story is still intact. Yeah, I mean, I Nvidia, I I tend to agree with you, Dennis. Just since awareness is one that, you know, if you ask me, hey, if I, you buy this today, is there a good chance that in the next, you know, few months that you'd be down a little bit? Yeah, probably. There would probably be some sort of pullback. But if you bought it today. Would 10 years, would five years from now, would the stock be higher? I'd say almost with 100% certainty, yes. Of course, it's not 100% certainty, and that's not financial I advice. I wish things that... were 100% certainty. Right. I would remortgage my house and put all of my things in there. But unfortunately, as traders, we live in probabilities. I just think the discussion is still there. The story is still there. And unless something drastically changes in AI, where people start getting worried about Terminator and Skynet taking over the world and government regulation coming in to stop it, I don't think the AI story is going to cool off in 2024. No, and you mentioned earlier, Dennis, it's been hard for you to find laggards. But uh, if, if you can't find any, let me know, because I do, I do still have some in my portfolio. Oh, good. I, well, we're going to get to the laggard trade uh, ju just in a few minutes here, too. We've got 20 minutes where Kenny's going to come on. So I do want to cover the Magnificent Seven. Let's fly through some of these charts here, Aaron. Um, just Some of them are similar. Some of them are different, though, So because I was looking through them myself. So it may surprise you, actually, with what we're going to talk about on the Magnificent Seven, although I do think there could be some early weakness in January. I think we got to be ready to pounce on some of these names if we do get some weakness. Yeah, all right. Well, let's rip through them. Let's start with uh, the one we're adding to it, the auxiliary one. Let's start with Netflix. Sure. That The Magnificent Eight is what I like to call it. Netflix has had a fantastic year, too. It's been the year where you know they, they kind of started the year Netflix down at $300. It had already bounced from the Ackman low. We know Ackman had sold out right at the bottom. We gave Ackman a lot of credit uh, when he came in, obviously, on, um, on the TLT and, and did his and covered his short on, on the bonds. And that's what really turned the overall market around. But he didn't do this one well. He had bought it when it dipped originally back at $360. And he took the loss, I believe, in the low one, 200s, if not even in the 180 area. Um, it's been running all year. It's been the year for streaming. We have now realized that Netflix is the leader in streaming and everybody else is, just wants to be Netflix. You know, at one point in time, we thought maybe Disney can compete, but they just haven't put enough money into it. They don't have enough content. The Disney Plus product has been a disaster for Disney, which is an absolute laggard and will be on our laggard trades. Um, Netflix here, though, 
looking 300 to 490. There is some people sitting on some profits. You are at a big number, similar to NVIDIA, the $500 psychological level. Like it's got to get up and through there for it to continue. So do you see a little bit of weakness maybe to start the year? I think it's possible. I do think you got underneath demand for Netflix. So valuation, not cheap. I had bought this stock back at 190 uh, when the PE got down to 16 because I was like, this is trading under a market multiple. It just seemed like crazy at that time because I didn't think Netflix was going away and I was rewarded for that. Now it's trading upwards of 40 times earnings. So it is kind of fully valued. I do think you could get a pullback in early January, but there's going to be underneath demand for all these stocks. Yeah, I just pulled up this article to your point that, you know, Everyone in the space, whether you're talking about Disney, Warner, Comcast, Paramount, everyone wants to be Netflix, but no one else can be Netflix. Uh, Netflix has just been the clear winner in this space so far. Um, and and yeah, we'll go back to the chart real quick. But uh, yeah, we had this headline from Benzinga this morning. Complete and utter panic. Netflix rivals Disney, Warner, Comcast, Paramount reportedly ponder possible mergers, cost cuts, over $5 billion losses. Um, as I go back to the chart, I'm going to ask you this question, Dennis. Mm-hmm. Is Netflix shifting from DVDs to streaming the most successful business pivot of all time, or at least in the last 20 years? I mean, to me, it's it's I, I can't think of a better overall business strategy pivot. I mean, that's, it was a pretty big overhaul in terms of from shipping DVDs to people's houses to just becoming the uh, really forerunner of, of streaming and kind of revolutionizing that whole space. You just think, what if what if Blockbuster just had the Netflix management? Because Blockbuster was, obviously went bankrupt, you know, that the, 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 you know, you're going there with video cassettes and DVDs and renting. I mean, just think if they could have foreseen what was going to happen with streaming and they could have just turned their business from that into streaming, Blockbuster would still be around right now. But, you know, obviously Nvidia, or, uh, Netflix came in where Blockbuster had failed, and, you know, this has just become... What what Netflix really does well, AB2, it's the amount of content they put out. They're constantly producing new things. When I flip on my Netflix, there's always something new to watch. Some of it's crap, but some of it's kind of interesting. And, I mean, they just find good shows, um, you know, and there always seems to be something to watch, where Disney, you know, has struggled with that. We know uh, you've got uh, Paramount, you know, that obviously has this Paramount that has Yellowstone, like that's a pretty good series. So yep. there is, you know, that the competitors have come up with some good stuff, but it seems like they just don't have enough stuff. Yeah, and that's I mean, been the biggest issue. It's content. You know, uh, the quantity of content on Netflix is not nothing short of incredible. There's always something to watch. And that's why Netflix is just the best of breed. And I think it remains that way for a very long time. Yeah, I mean, when, when Disney Plus first came out, they had uh, the Mandalorian, the Star Wars series, and that was pretty big, and a lot of people got Disney Plus just to watch that, but since then, I feel like Disney Plus hasn't really had any big series like that that's going to drive memberships, uh, and Netflix is also now preparing to get into live sports, streaming gaming, so like they like it's not like Netflix is, Netflix is just hanging out and saying, okay, we're okay with being the leader in this space, and we have the most subs. They're still going out and innovating and doing things, so I, I, I really do like the long-term story on netflix i mean obviously we're like we're probably going to talk about with all these magnificent seven or eight stocks uh is are they a little expensive right now have they gone on this crazy run could there be a pullback probably but we're going to look at the more the long-term story look at it into 2024 um and the other thing before we move on because i know we've we've got a bunch of other stocks to get to dennis my last point just looking at this chart with netflix i mean it's a good a good um you know symbol netflix of just showing how quickly things change in terms of sentiment in the market because if you remember on the way down here all of, all of uh 2022 basically with these earnings reports some of these days where the stock went down you know 21 percent 30 yeah. uh you know like no one wanted to touch this people were this was like the most trash i think netflix's stock literally went down like 80 percent from the 700 level uh down a huge to- pullback yeah, it, and I mean, it, was, it was huge. And there was some big buy on that first gap down. If you point to that, that's where Ackman bought was on the first gap down. Right. I actually bought on the first gap down too. Um, I doubled down, which you never really should use. And I bought a, a, a doubled the size or tripled the size of position at the bottom, which made the trade turn from a winner to a or loser to a winner. I don't normally do that, but I mean, I just believed in the company still. Uh, but you don't want to be too early, I think the point is. You know, you get that first gap down, everybody wants to buy the first gap down always. Sometimes there's another one coming and sometimes it's just better to like get into consolidation station, wait till it feels like the dust has settled 
before just jumping in on day one because often there is follow through when you get these you know really bad days i mean in some cases the stocks bounce right back but in other cases it seems like there's follow through and if you're just jumping in on day one you get punished i always like to just sit back and wait a little bit and that's what i probably did wrong with netflix i was all excited it's going down 20 percent. you're getting a good company at what felt like at the time at a reasonable valuation well that valuation got a lot more reasonable with the next big gap down but sentiment does turn i mean if you look at this chart compared to like and we're going to go into the magnificent seven right now like just bring up like you know if you want to bring up even um a microsoft or a tesla for instance let's bring up tesla it might be a better one to look at because tesla's chart is going to be very similar to and to and to netflix here where you had the big run up and then you just selling off selling off selling off all of 2022 relentless selling in tesla it goes under a hundred dollars the valuation finally the p is down to like 27 which is cheapest tesla's ever been um and well it didn't quite go on a hundred dollars got down to 101 and that was the turnaround. And then, you know, just like it feels like on, you know, just like that, sentiment turned. And then the entire year, it was the calendar turn that really turned Tesla around. And by the time we got four months into the year, Tesla had tripled in price or six months into the year. It went from 100 to 300. And then that was just getting a little bit overdone. And now we've been, you know, consolidating and backing and filling, as Joel likes to call it, trying to, you know, change hands and, you know, maybe making some consolidation for an eventual move higher here. But it just goes to show you, you've got to be careful just buying those first dips because sometimes there's more than one dip to be had. Yeah, and I mean, that's the big key here is when you have that big dip, especially when it's a company you like, it's very enticing to say, oh my God, down 20%. There's this great discount. I'm going to go in and buy it. But typically when a stock is is trading lower like that, like Netflix was after its earnings, it's going to continue trading lower. Uh, and if you try to catch that falling knife, like you might, you know, get lucky and, and, and get a good bounce and the stock goes back up 10% right away and you can sell it for a quick profit, but it typically and, doesn't happen. Right. That, that, that's, that's like the exception to what, you know, typically it's, it's, uh, what happens with Netflix, what you can see happen here with, with Tesla, like you, you have this huge sell off a quick rebound. So if you bought it down here and then sold it right here, sure. Great. But then if you kept holding, then you're, you know, down even further, um how are we feeling dennis i guess looking at at uh tesla's chart how are we feeling about tesla heading into it was a rough key reversal for it yesterday and what we mean by that is the stock made a new high prior to the previous days and then closed below the previous day's low so that's what they call a key reversal that is an ugly candle catches a lot of short-term traders off guard because they're thinking oh here we go here's the breakout the run into the end of the year and then the rug pull happens so you have some traders caught in this trade now now, that doesn't mean it has to continue, but those are candles that often do uh, lead to a reversal of uh, trade for a few days. It has been a pretty good run. Tesla has had a pretty good year, so it's not a stock that I want to own in the first week of January if you do get some eventual profit-taking to happen. So I'm kind of staying away from that entire Magnificent 7 for the first week of January, which I've been talking about here. I do think if you get a significant dip, though, some of these companies like Google, I would actually be a buyer of those dips. But you know we're, that's to be seen on what's going to happen. So that's Tesla's story. Let's go check out the other ones. Microsoft, which has been a fantastic year, driven by ChatGPT. I mean, this is the story here, AB. Um, it started the year down here at 226, up at 375. It's a huge year. And you can say, well, it's not as good as Netflix or it's not as good as Tesla. While the market cap on Microsoft is so immense, it's so impressive when $2 trillion companies become $3 trillion companies. Just that amount of wealth created is just so incredible. So this was driven by the story of ChatGPT. Does that continue into 2024? Yes, I believe it does. Is there underneath demand in Microsoft? Yes, I believe there is. Has Microsoft looked like it's wanted to go for the last week? Man, this chart is just so in consolidation station. I keep thinking it's going to break out. I keep thinking it's going to break out. And it just cannot seem to get going here. The problem is we're running out of runway in 2023. And I'm worried about the rug pull in 2024 for the first week. So it's almost like the calendar effects will now keep me out of this trade. I've tried to trade it long. It has not, you know, just kind of been sitting here waiting to go, waiting to go, waiting to go. And I've just kind of overstayed my welcome maybe here. So I think, you know, maybe today it could get a little bit of a pop. We get some window dressing. But I don't want to be long these stocks the first week of January. That's, you know, just so short-term day trading talk, day trader cap here on. But I just want to be cautious because I don't want to get hit on some potential profit taking. And it may not happen. Maybe they just buy everything relentlessly. Maybe the maybe the fund managers come back from their vacations and they just come in and they relentlessly buy and there's no profit taking at all. That could very well happen. We don't know. We don't have a crystal ball. We can only predict. 
but I know I want to be cautious if I'm sitting, you know, and saying, yeah, I'm going to buy this. It's going to be a big stock in 2024. I'm going to buy it today. I'm going to be cautious because I don't want to get like, you know, you buy this at 375 and then boom, it's at 360 on you four days into January. Like what happened? I don't want to get caught like that. So that's why I think I'm going to wait and see what the first couple of days of January look like. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Microsoft long term. I think it's a, I'm, I am in agreement with you, Dennis. I mean, with probably most of these Magnificent Seven, I'd say like I probably wouldn't want to buy these up here for a swing trade to hold for the next like two, three weeks just in case we see one of these pullbacks. Um, but would I be fine buying Microsoft knowing I could hold it for five plus years now? Yeah, probably because. Like you said, I mean, Microsoft driven by OpenAI and ChatGPT's success this year. But on top of that, I mean, everything Microsoft does between its uh, cloud growth through Azure, uh, you, you know, it, Microsoft has done great with its acquisitions. I just think it, it's a very well-run company. You really can't go wrong holding it. Again, I say that, but if you buy it up here, you know, we could see one of these pullbacks in the next couple of weeks. So I'm pretty much, I kind of feel that way with most of these stocks we talk about i will say out of the magnificent seven since we just came from tesla to microsoft i'd much rather hold microsoft right now than tesla just because i think i'm with be you a, i think you'd be a little bit safer from one of those pullbacks so uh just to show kind of where my rankings of magnificent seven are going into 2024 i'd you know prefer to have a little bit i'd prefer to have microsoft right now over the next uh few months to to tesla because i think even if you do see the pullback in microsoft like you mentioned, the market cap is just so huge. The company is so successful right now that I don't think, I think there will always be some underlying demand for Microsoft. I think so too. Um, so I don't think, you know, I'm not saying it's a safe stock, quote unquote, because that's there's no such thing. And like you said, as traders, we deal in, in probabilities, but I think it's more probable that Microsoft maintains its valuation over the next month or so compared to Tesla. But We've got eight minutes left before Kenny comes on, and we've got a few more Magnificent Seven sure. stocks to get to. Let's run to the biggest, the baddest of them all, Apple, A-A-P-L. Yeah. Uh, basically, I mean, basically still at all-time highs. You look at the market cap here, over $3 trillion. I mean, look, I, I mean... I, I literally like I would just keep buying Apple on any pullbacks like long term, but this chart does look kind of a little double toppy. Um, so I don't love that in the short term. I, I don't know in terms of like the new I, I, I will say, Dennis, just anecdotally, I've had a lot of friends go out and get the new iPhones. I know this because I'm like, hey, can I borrow a phone charger? And they're like, I don't have the, that iPhone charger. Yeah, I got the new, new one. So, so, you know, I've been hearing that a lot recently. So that's almost got me thinking, what if the iPhone sales numbers come in a little bit better than expected? Um, but, you know, that's to, to be seen, TBD. Uh, what okay. are you thinking about Apple heading into 2024? Um, I had this in my long-term portfolio for a very long time, seven, eight plus years. I had it, I took it from $25 up to 180 and I finally took the gain and booked it and paid the tax because I felt like the valuation had just gotten too high from where it used to be. And I've had this conversation with pre-market prep listeners for a very long time. I still feel like it's fully valued. It's trading like 29 to 30 times earnings, which is as high a multiple as Apple has basically had you know, in, in, in two decades. So, I mean, it is valued very highly. The one thing they have going for them, it's a sticky product, meaning consumers will find a way to buy their $1,500 new iPhone no matter what. It's a luxury item. People will stop eating before they will give up their iPhone. And that's why you've got you know this relentless you know demand. Now, they have not grown earnings for a number of years. So the entire move has been multiple expansion. And obviously what we mean by that is the price has been going up, but the earnings haven't been going up, so the PE has just expanded. And what, what you've seen you know is the price um, that's been the reasons for all these gains. And buybacks has been a big part of the Apple gains too. They've had huge amounts of buybacks. They bought back a lot of stock and that's also driven up um, the, the E to a certain extent as well. But overall, revenue has not grown on this company for a number of years. They need something in 2024 to break us out over 200. They need a product. Gene Munster has been talking about this on our show. He thinks there's going to be eventually an Apple car. He also thinks, you know, there's going, they're going to be a major player in AI. So he thinks there's new products coming for us. And I think when you get those new products, I think Apple will start its new lag of its new bull market. But I think we've milked this iPhone for as long as we, we can. And in order for Apple to justify trading 30 times earnings, they need to come out with a new blockbuster product. Show us, you know, what you're cooking. Show us, Tim Cook, that you can create products like, obviously, you know, the, your predecessors here. So I do I, think, yep. 
Sorry, go ahead. I'll let you finish. Yeah, no, butt in. This is a, this is the way we operate, AB. We interrupt each other all the time. So if you can well, grab I, it, I, I go on run-on sentences. If you can grab and interrupt me, go for it. I was just going to say, I don't disagree. I, I think Apple's products, I'm not going to say I've gotten a little stale, but I've heard that criticism of Apple's you know, yes. stock and company for like 10 years now, that it's how many MacBooks can people buy? How many iPhones can people buy? Everyone's already got one. Apple needs to put out a new product. I've heard that for, you know, 10 years and it seems like, well, then they, you know, whether it's the watch or the AirPods and maybe these things aren't as sexy as when they first put out the new iPhone or the MacBook, but like whatever they do, it's working and they're still selling a lot. And I I do agree with Gene Munster where like right now, if you look at, at profit growth and it's kind of stagnated that, you know, Microsoft has been viewed as the the AI. You had Google, you know, come out with Bard, and Apple has been more quiet. But to think that Apple's not going to be a major player in AI, like you think the company, the biggest tech company in the world, the company with the most cash on hand in the they're world, they're working on some stuff, is going to just let this massive opportunity by pass it by? No, of course not. So I think Apple, and then the other big thing too, Dennis, that you know, I just want to mention. Um, with Apple's chips, that's been a big thing where a lot of people have gotten more bullish on Apple is because Apple's done what other tech companies haven't been able to do, and that's produce very, very good uh, in-house chips. And a lot of people are saying, hey, this is just going to improve Apple's margins in the long run, that it's not going to be reliant on NVIDIA or AMD and all these things to have to do chips from you know, other companies because they're going to have their own and maybe even who knows, eventually sell them to other companies. I don't know what Apple's plans is there, but so you have the chips, you have AI, you have maybe an Apple car, you have their AR, AR headset coming out, which, uh, and we are, we're going to get to meta in a second. So that'll be a good transition, but you have these things that are kind of on the horizon with Apple. Um, but again, I'm not necessarily super excited thinking that any of those products are going to be the next iPhone. I just do think between the chips, between the AI, that like the growth will will come. The growth will come, even though you're not seeing on the income statements now. Any major pullbacks on Apple, I'm talking 5-10%, I will be adding to my long-term portfolio. Uh, but yeah, that chart don't look beautiful right there. Uh, but yeah, let's, let's take this opportunity to transition to Meta. Meta, for the third year in a row, I want to say the, the Quest, the Meta Quest app was the number one app on the App Store after Christmas, um, which sounds pretty like good news, but I think you know, unfortunately, I think the Meta headset, the Quest headset, I think that's basically what it is, is a Christmas gift. I, I don't know how many people are going out and like buying it for themselves because every year on Christmas, you see it go to the top of the app store. But um, either way, Meta's had an amazing year. This was one of the most beaten up stocks. Show the two-year chart because it gives you so much perspective here because no stock came back better in 2023 out of all the Magnificent Seven. There is no stock that came back better in 2023 than Meta. This is a complete V bottom here. 2022 well, yeah, straight yeah, this- down 70% and then getting all of the losses back in 2023 and back up right near all-time highs, which is uh, nothing short of incredible here. I, I don't know I- why this chart's being a little funky on Benzinga Pro right now. It looks like some of the data is not loading from the, you know before uh, February 2023. But either way, I mean... Either way, we chart, all know this is a yeah. V bottom. So it went all the way down and all the way back up. The one thing I will say about Meta is it was a very cheap stock when it got down to $100 at the end of 2022. And it was hard to look away when the thing was trading with a PE of 12 or 13. Now you look at Meta and you think, well, we've just, you know, had this huge run. And yes, you know, they've grown earnings slightly here. But now the multiple is trading up at 31 times. They do have the forward down because there's projections that it could continue to grow here. So they got the forward down at 21, which is not crazy expensive. But I just feel like there's been such a run here. I think this one, out of all the Magnificent Seven, I think this one could be the one that really experiences some serious profit taking in the first week of January. So this is one I would actually look to potentially short. And and I want to say this setup, we're going to bring Kenny on here too. I don't want to be shorting into strength here. The best shorts are when you start to see the weakness. So you don't want to be cut off guard and say, well, I'm just going to short this on the close today. And Dennis said it's going to have a rug pull in January, and it's just going to go straight down come January 2nd. It doesn't always work that way. I remember two years ago, it took two days before they started to do the rug pull. And then it was a, a, a really you know heavy rug pull. So, I mean, you've got to be careful with just, you know, blindly shorting strength. I like to short weakness. What I mean by that is, let's say the stock goes off at 360. And maybe, you know, the first day, it's just meandering 359, 360. Maybe it goes up 362, makes a new high on the move. It's like, oh, here we go again. 
Then you capture a few more day traders on the long side. But then all of a sudden it goes 359, 358, 357. Feels like like lose three points and like feels like three minutes. That's where it starts. And that's like, oh, now we just made it interesting because now we just caught some traders. Jeremy Newsom, who is an excellent trader as well, always looks about capturing short-term traders. And then looking at the candles, like we just caught a bunch of guys trying to play the breakout here. They're caught on the long side. Now I short. So what you really want to do when you're shorting stocks is find, you know, if especially stocks that have been strongest, wait for the weakness to start. Don't be the first person in there. Wait for the weakness to start. Shoot them in the back. When it starts to go down, kick them while they're down. That's the best way to short stock. So that's what I'll be waiting for on the Magnificent 7. Is show me some weakness. Show me, you know, that, you know, this is, you know, maybe going to have some profit taking and maybe capture some traders. But I'm not going to just blindly short everything on the close here today, just hoping the calendar effects work. I want to see the effects start to work. Yeah, hundred percent. And I and I agree with you that in terms of we've been talking about the magnificent seven, Meta and uh, Tesla are probably two that I'd be the most worried about. You know, some major pullbacks coming into the months. Meta, I mean, I like if you bought it down when it got to a hundred dollars or whatever, and you got that V bottom, that's great. And it was trading like a value stock down there. The, the valuation, the PE, all that stuff was super cheap. Um, and Meta is still a, a, a huge company bringing in, you know, a ton of cash through, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all its different platforms. Of course, WhatsApp, one of the biggest apps in the world. But none of it is super exciting to me as, as much as, you know, like NVIDIA, Apple, Microsoft, some of the other ones are doing. Um, real quick. So we touched on NVIDIA, Netflix, Tesla, Microsoft, Apple, Meta. Which We got to touch on Warlock, who's in the studio, though. So we might have I know, to come I back know. to Magnificent. Or bring Kenny into this conversation, because I know he's got opinions on this Magnificent 7. He looks at these cues all the time. I think we got to grab that Warlock here. He's in the background. Let's do it. Let's bring on our man, the Warlock. Hit the bid. Kenny Glick, without further ado, further ado the dude himself. Kenny, how we doing? Hey, what's up, y'all? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, there he morning. is. Happy Friday. Happy last day of trading in 2023. What do you uh what have you been watching? I guess we'll, we'll stick we'll stick on the Magnificent Seven for a second. Um and, and what do you how do you feel about them heading into the new year, Kenny? Would you be buyers or sellers of these of these mega cap tech stocks into the new year? Is a mil is a, is a, the biggest conversation, right? So listen, I'm all about the QQQ, so the Magnificent Seven is just the Q's to me. Um, yeah. I, I dipped my toe and I saw, I heard what you said and what you just said is shoot them in the back, the whole thing. You'd rather be late and right than early yes. and wrong. I tried yeah. a short on December around the beginning of the first of the month when I didn't think we were going to break. I didn't think we were going to break. That was my problem. I started thinking. And it's just, <laughs> like, just like a shorter, again, I am the ex-president of the perma bear movement. I'm still a bear, but I've learned from a decade ago that you cannot stay short this market over any extended period of time. And when Dennis and I were talking about the rips were being sold and suddenly you saw they weren't being sold. The Caterpillar day when they reported earnings and the dips were being bought, we went from selling the rips to buying the dips. If you're going to short those stocks, you just got to wait for those the blow off top and then actual follow through. If the market actually starts breaking prior day lows, you'll know something's different and UVXY and the volatility products won't be at zero. So it'll be a drastic change. You'll see it. You'll feel it. But um, as far as the Magnificent 7, how about the Magnificent 2? Look at the two stocks that I picked off the scrap heap. Carvana, under 750. Oh. And AAOI, number one stock of 2023, brought to wow. you guys here. And the joke was when, a, when AI stocks were ripping, I was like, how about two A's and an I for the price of one <laughs> under 250? I brought this to my people at 250. I cannot believe it became what it became. I'm actually more surprised about AAOI than the Carvana. I, and I still love the Carvana. I think that's going to be another, you're going to see another 100% on that stock this year. But um, yeah. Are you still on the Carvana right now? I'm still on or? the Carvana, yeah. And I like the fact that I wanted to ask your opinion on this. Why don't they have calls above 90? I don't think they want people in this thing. I don't think they want the speculators. They don't want another GameStop going on. Exacto mundo. So I'm in the longest dated call spreads you can find on Carvana. We started selling 110 near term in January, but we're loaded with 60s, 70s, and 80s for February, March, and April. This stock is treated as well because if you've never seen the Dolly Parton quadruple Kardashian bottom formation, take a look at a three-year chart on Carvana. <laughs> it's screaming at us. 
that this stock wants 96 bucks. And it is. I'm still it, in it. There, there's I just see what lot. you're looking at. I there, see what there, you're looking at. Yeah, here. there's just a lot of names out there that I like. And it's hard for me to be this bullish because all I want to do is sell. You know, I'm an arm at 57.50 and I'm going to straight jacket right now. Just trying not to sell it because, you know, it's going one. to 80. And if it goes to 80, it goes to 120. We're in a runaway bull market that if you think about it, if you've been in it for the last two years, some people are just getting their money back. So this is a really, really interesting time because people like buying it when they see the headlines. Hey, we're at all time highs. I guess the, the, the coast is clear. That's when my uncle starts buying stocks. When Cisco's gone from eight to 80 and he finally hears about it and he buys it and the market yeah. crashes and he wonders why. So it's, it's going to be fun to watch what happens and then we'll be in earnings season. So then it's going to be any, every man for itself. But as far as the cues, you cannot short the cues. I mean, if you get more than a seven-minute pullback in the last two months, you will not buy it. So it's just it's just a tough trade to be short. But you know, to your point earlier, you're going to see the difference. You're going to feel the difference. We're actually going to go down and stay down. And yeah. when that happens, well, maybe we'll start shorting again. Yeah. So don't be short on day one. Don't be short. You know, oh, every yeah, time you yeah. get a one percent dip in something, because yeah. that underneath demand from all these portfolio managers who have just been underweight for too long is just continues to be there. So I like it. You know, like, and that's what I was saying. I'm like, I, I want to be a bear, Kenny. I'm with. You. I want to be bearish. I really want yeah. to. Everything in my blood says we've come so far. I love bear markets. You love them too. Like we do well in bear markets. They're fun to trade. Yeah. And then it also leads into the moment that we're in right now. Every trade that I picked up in 2023 came off a three-year weekly chart. And I'm using three-year VWAP charts. And every stock that I bought came out of the same thing. Originally, when I was buying AMD at 250, it was the same setup. So again, the chip stocks all gave me all those names like Rambus. If you guys have been watching the Rambus, it's a 27-year breakout. On RMBS. <laughs> Rambus is, Rambus is NVIDIA and MU and AMD and ARM all rolled into one. I'm telling you, this is an undiscovered gem. And when this gets to all-time highs, that's when Kramer will start talking about it at 120. And you'll see this thing. I'm looking at a $200 stock, I think, in, on Rambus. On Rambus. 27-year yeah, high breaks generally keep going. So – I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of chip stocks. That's basically my most of my my, my stocks that I own. I think Arm's going, you know, 120. But again, you know, let's reel it in for a second. I hope there's some selling. I hope they they start to uh, you know too. you know get some some fear back in the market, and then we'll see where the real where the real pullbacks hold, and then we could start reanalyzing what's going to happen for the next you know couple of weeks or couple of months. You know, I'm mostly I'm still point. a day trader. And, and and Kenny, so two questions. One, when you're playing a stock like Rambus, is it through options mainly that you're looking at it, or are you just like flat yeah. out long the stock? Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit again. I'm a bear, so it's still too. I'm still too nervous to put you know money into stocks. Everything I own is through leaps because the further you go out, it becomes actually cheaper to own the options. So I buy deep in the money leaps, and then I'll sell near term you know, some near-term calls against what I own. So I'm in I'm in the furthest dated $70 calls for Rambus. The furthest you can go out, I think, is the 2025s, actually. We bought them at nine. I think they're like $26, $27 now. That's how I stay in. Again, worst case scenario, I have it right in front of me. So if I only you know, like stocks like Path, P-A-T-H, is another one that I, I it's a coiled spring. I got, I got looking like for 10 more points on this one. Uh, that was a Kathy Woodstock. I think she gave up on it, which I like the fact that she gave up on it. But most of what I own is going to be with those long dated options. So then if the worst case scenario, again, the Internet's telling me there's a 50 percent crash every day imminent. So if it does happen, at least I'll only be exposed to ex an exact amount of money. I know exactly what I'm exposed to. Do you go out and so you typically go out very far? Like you're not buying near dated options, trying right. to just grab the next week or zero DTE. You're right. going out a long way so that that premium you're yeah. paying doesn't just erode overnight. Yeah, absolutely. If I want to own something, I go as far out as I can. Like I, I bought some like, uh, you know, ENVX. I, I bought some way out April 2024s. You know, that was about a year ago. It didn't work, but. Yeah, that's generally how I own stocks. So then I could sleep at night. You know, I don't want to be overly exposed to any, you know, massive pullbacks. But again, if we get a massive pullback, I'm still going to be a buyer. So I, I like staying on my toes short term and then long term. Again, I'm all about the I'm all about the chips. I don't think they're going anywhere. I think it's going to have another solid year. 
I think we're going to have to consolidate the Magnificent Seven. I think the Qs have to consolidate, but, you know, then what? You know, once we pull back, I, I could see a pullback to that price where I got smoked short in a short in December, 387.50, but then what? Yeah. You know, once we sell off, then what? You know, again, if you're sitting out there with the black swan mentality, oh, I can't get in this, I can't get involved in this market because of China and Taiwan or an, another crisis somewhere or something else is going to happen, you're never going to be in the market. So, you know, I had to, I had to, I had to come in late and I, I, I'm still doing all right, even though I came in late to this rally because it was first I had to readjust the way I was thinking. I was still short, you know, at the end of October. So yeah. I thought we were going to go down a little bit more and then have the inevitable rally almost caught me on the wrong side. You know, luckily I learned my lesson 10 years ago when I got my ass kicked and I said never again. But, you know, again, I still stay a, a day trader mostly. But when these stocks start cooperating so well, I'm like, you know what? Let's hang on to some of this. Let's hang on to some of that. And suddenly I've got a portfolio again. And, and normally I don't. So what what other stocks are you holding? You just list off like five, six, seven, eight. How many stocks? How many different stocks are you holding long? Right I have, I have, like, about, I have about nine nine positions on. I got some weird stuff on. I got the CCC. This was a biotech stock from a couple of weeks ago. When a pump and dump doesn't get dumped again, I become interested. And the volume stays the, there. The quad C? Yeah, quad C. Very interesting. I've been getting paid on this as a day trader. I still have some call spreads on it again. I don't own stock. I still got... I'm in a 5,750. I got some 750 calls on it. The option volume started picking up. But I, I, I really wanted, I wanted to ask you a question on this one. Do you guys know that SBNY has resurrected itself over the last couple of days? Very, very low volume. This was 20 cents. It hit $2. Something's wow. going on here. Look Please explain this to me. Look at this volume right I'm, here. I'm calling uh, you know, Jordan Belfort, get into the pink sheets on this one. We're and squeezing I those shorts a little bit there. People who are saying a bankrupt. One thing I've learned over the years is bankruptcy does not equal zero. Yes, bankruptcy And there's so many people that just think, oh, it's bankrupt. Right. I'm going to sell this thing at 50 cents and eventually just collect at zero. And they're learning that the hard way in SBNY is bankruptcy. Does not equal zero. Yeah. Hey, what about what about First Republic? It's four cents right now. Can we get in on on this right real quick and hope the same thing happens? <laughs> probably. It's probably buy. a trade there. Buy this stock. Like, I know. There's a laggard for you. You want a First Republic? Yeah, we've right. been looking for laggards. They've been hard to find. Here's your laggard, First Republic. Four <laughs> cents. What's the symbol on that one? Yeah, that, but. I, the thing is, the dumpster diving was what really worked in 2023. That AAOI and the Carvana, you know, came right out right off the trash heap. So anytime one of these things starts to move, I'm like, hey, you know what? What's this? <laughs> and next thing you know, you know, that's how I found uh, the the uh, CDLX was the same kind of thing. These two dollar stocks that were sitting around, once they get over five, it attracts a different investor. And then the algorithms kick in. And next thing you know, you got yourself, you know, a five, six hundred percent gain on a stock. But I, I'm curious because I'm afraid to trade an SBNY because it's so illiquid. It's in the pink sheets. Yeah, you know, once once they pull the, the bid, the stock could go from five dollars to zero in, in, a, in a tick. So if you're trading this stock, guys, and it's making money today, I'm actually going to be looking at it because if it breaks two fifty, it could get crazy. But it's done it on so low volume. Make sure you're selling it on the way up if this thing actually starts popping today. Hey Kenny, I'm curious who uh, who who took over in the Oval Office for you for the president of the Perma Bear movement. Um, oh, I don't know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm did, you get, I feel, did you get did you get impeached? I, yeah, I feel bad for that person, but man, it took me a while. It took me a while. Listen, well, I'm, still, so, I'm still the secretary, so uh, okay, you know, you're I'm still waiting. in the cabinet. You're still in the cabinet. So I mean, what do you does what ha what happens? You know, people are kind of perma bears. Then over time, you you see all this bad news, and it's like the the it'll be bad economic data and then the market will go up. It'll be good economic data. The market will go up and then you're just like, I can't do this anymore. And you, and you, and you got to start switching your strategy. Oh yeah. I mean, also it comes down to the money. You realize, okay, I'm going to be broke in about three days at this pace. And you just got to <laughs> readjust, you got to readjust, you know, right from when I started trading, the market started to make no sense because I came in around 96, 97. You know, we're talking about I Omega days and pre-internet. So when the internet starts, stocks started to go, all, we, all I want to do was short them. I mean, the stock went from $20 to 40. Next thing you know, it was 400. So I learned a valuable lesson then. And also with Y2K, that made no sense to me also. So we're all going to die, but the market's going up every day. Okay, so I guess nothing makes sense. And right from there, nothing's ever made sense ever again. Because if the computers were shutting off, the electricity was going off, the planes were flowing from the sky, but the market was ripping every day, they made no sense. And again, 
I had some fun on the way down, you know, with some of those, you know, you know, the incubators, you remember all those stocks, the CMGIs and all the garbage. But, you know, again, I've made a lot of money shorting stocks. So I've kind of had an addiction to it. My friends, let's learn a couple of things right here. Shorting is short lived and you're going to die. And you can't stay short for long. It's a temporary moment. It always is. It continues to be. You cannot stay short the U.S. market or pretty much. I mean, there's some markets you've been able to stay short or they've gone stagnant, but you cannot stay short this market. It's absolutely insane. I learned that lesson 2020. I I actually got pretty lucky and shorted a bunch of oil companies and stuff before the COVID crash because I saw what was going on like in Italy and overseas and was like, hey, this COVID thing seems like a pretty big deal. Bought a bunch of puts on (laughs) Chevron, Darden, made a bunch of money. You must have been listening to pre-market prep back then. Oh, yeah, Yeah. of course. Stayed, I stayed, stayed short lost all of it and like like you said kenny like I, I was like shorting companies whose factories were closed they weren't producing anything because right. of this of this pandemic and then the stocks would go up like 30 percent. i was like what how is yeah. this possible that the, they are not making any computers how possibly could the stock go up this much and i and i so i learned that lesson then and i kind of am a perma bold where like you could tell me this that and that and this and this data and i'd say okay well then yeah if that happens the fed's gonna cut and then the market's gonna go up or that you know they're always on the other side like yeah. the end of it's always gonna be and then the market's gonna go up you know so i kind of you know in the opposite on that side but uh either way i guess if you're a perma bull or perma bear it can hurt you and it's probably better to just you know, be open-minded and, and, and be fluid and be able to follow trends. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. You know, and again, being the, the, to me, being permabull bearish, it keeps me on my toes. I get, I see things for what they are. I know most stocks are still pumping dumps. You know, I mean, even though you've had, we've had this monster run underneath, I could still name 300 stocks that are awful before 30 that are amazing. And that's always going to be the truth. If you look at the historical data of the market, most stocks still do stink. I mean, it's it, it, there's so many that you don't even know of that just they, these pump and dump IPOs that I have a list of them. They had one or two good days. And the next thing you know, yeah. they're, they're sub penny already. It's amazing that these even come out. So there's so much junk out there that it, it, it tarnishes the market. But, you know, again, we're going we're gonna to see who's boss in, in, in the next couple of weeks. And then, like I said, it's going to be earnings season. We'll see how the banks are doing. And then next thing you know, it'll be put up or shut up because a lot of these stocks have run 20, 30 percent going into these numbers. Now we're going to see what they have to say. Um, well, yeah, I got ARC's uh, chart pulled up. Speaking of some junk, you know, Kathy Woods had a pretty big year, oh, pretty big past, past few months. I mean, looking at like her portfolio stocks, can you say that, you know, there's a lot more junk out there than good? Do you think like this rally for these type of smaller growth stocks is going to continue into 2024? You think some people are going to start selling here? I mean, what's your prediction on ARC and not necessarily ARC specifically, but I guess that kind of basket of stocks? Yeah, I, I like them. I mean, she's just, a, again, the reason I was rallying against her was her her number one stock at one time was uh, Peloton. I was like, come on, come on, lady. I was like, I never who she, heard you heard you who she was. Next thing you know, she was everywhere. And it was long lonely. It was so based in just this one sector. And I remember when I was a broker, we we would we were pitching a telecommunications stock where it was all the rage. The fund went up 80%. And then two years later, it was gone. I mean, it was unbelievable. And I was like, this is what's gonna happen to her. But you know what? Some of the ideas that she has, she liked the path. She likes Palantir. I, I'm a fan of Palantir, even though it's I like Palantir brick, too. It's in a brick wall here between 1750 and 20, which is good. So if you're an investor and you're looking at the stock, it's gone dormant for the last two months. Mm-hmm. But it it really hasn't really fallen apart. I think this is a nice consolidation for the stock. And I, I you know, I, again, it looks like it's going to be a you know one of these slow moving. I just like the idea of owning the CIA. I think they, they got their they're clandestine, which is one of my favorite words. So I, at, I, at what point in time a stock like Palantir would be on my shopping list too? At what point in time do you strike? Do you wait till it actually starts breaking? Like we've been a consolidation station here, like you said, for two months here. Do you wait yeah. till it like, starts going like 18, 15, 19, and now we get in? Is that like, because you like to like not be the first person in. You don't mind being the second or even the last person. Well, you don't want to be the last person. And when yeah, do you strike on something like Palantir, Kenny? Yeah, well, right now I've been I've been selling I've been selling fifteen dollar puts because that's where I want to buy the stock. So it's getting I'm not collecting a lot of premium. Because, but while I'm waiting for the stock to pull back to fifteen, I'm collecting small premiums. That's that's how I that's how I usually buy things that I really really like. And I like this stock. I, and the same thing with Path B A T H. It had this monster gap, and then it goes nowhere for a month. 
So I sell puts waiting to, to get to get into the stock. But then if it breaks out, again, if I miss the perfect opportunity, I'll just buy it when it breaks new highs because Palantir has been consolidating, like I said. You know, once it gets over that 20 and a half range again, you, you got to imagine things going to 22, 15, and 25. But right now, it's in the buy zone now because you're, you're looking at 250 of risk. You know, there are certain stocks out there where, you know, like, like it's like a Rambus. I know it's a bigger, bigger area to look at. But once you establish your risk and you think a stock might double or triple, that's it. So if you're looking at Palantir that you think it's going to 30, you're risking two points to make 50, you know, 10 or 12 mm. points. So that's the way I look at some of these names that once I establish where I'm definitely going to sell them, then, then I'm in. Like, just like, like, like Hood, this stock stinks. And it's been trading <laughs> for for months, but we're still in it because it doesn't want to break down. But it doesn't yeah. want to break out either. There's going to be a point where we said, "All right, you know what? Screw this stock," and that's around eleven eleven eighty five. So if you're buying it here, still at thirteen, you're risking a dollar fifteen for quote unquote unlimited, you know, unlimited gains. I don't think Hood's going back to eighty five ever in our lifetime. But give me seventeen bucks on Hood, and it'll that's be a nice trade. Pretty, pretty good trade. Yeah, that's what I'm looking yeah. at. You know, again, I'm surprised the stock hasn't broke out either. And a lot of the stocks I'm looking at, take a look at Sentinel, Big S. That yeah. one's coming coming out of the doldrums. Um, you know, again, I'm looking at high shorted stocks still. I love the Carvana, you know, and Penn Gaming finally came out, peaked its head above resistance, P-E-N-N. That's been yeah. a lagger. So there's not many stocks that have been held down. Those are the ones I'm trying to find right now that haven't made that second, that second wave of buying. That's why I like this path trade. And, uh, you know, stuff like that. I keep telling you guys, if you're looking for laggards, come to me. I've got them in my portfolio. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, Kenny, thanks again for hopping on today. We've got a Pretty few good. minutes left. Any, any other hot takes you got for 2024? Leave us with something spicy. Leave us with something, you know, uh, something that's going to make us a lot of money. Oh, let's see. Sleeper pick. I don't have many sleeper picks because they've all risen from the dead already. Nice. Uh, I know it's I just, tough to find those laggards. Yeah, I bought some toast, you know, 1750 Ooh. just recently. Okay, that's, that's all right. I'm just still, you know, again, once they make these turns, I'm loving stocks under 20. That'd probably get to 25, 30 this year. Let's just like the path, the palantir. Let me see. Sleeper pick. How about this? I think Rivian gets taken over by Amazon. I think Rambus might get taken over also. Now we're talking uh, hot takes. And and I think I think Carvana could go to $224. So Ooh. Carvana $224 in 24. I said it. I'll be the first to say it, and I'll continue to say it. I think it can go to $224 this year. Carvana, baby. Carvana currently trading. That's not right. I don't know what's going on with my Benzinga Pro. But Carvana is currently trading around 55 bucks. So that'd be a big, what would that be? A 300% gain to $224. So Nothing Kenny, in this market. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Kenny. Kenny, Kenny's hot takes into 2024. We've got Rivian getting uh, getting acquired. You've got Rambus potentially getting acquired. And Carvana to 225 again. There you go. Uh, Crazy yeah. bullishness from some psycho bear. But again, when go. the market crashes, I'll say, didn't I tell you? <laughs> I like it. I like it. Uh, awesome, Kenny. Hit, hit the bid on YouTube. I'll share that link in the chat if you guys want more from and everybody. Kenny, just Kenny. Carvana. <laughs> always, uh, <laughs> always great. Always great to get you on, Kenny. We'll talk soon. Good luck, guys. Good, happy New Year, and all that. You Be too, safe. Kenny. You as well. All right, guys. Again, link is in the chat if you want to check out more from Kenny. Hit the bid on YouTube. Uh, Dennis, we did pretty well in terms of the topics we wanted to get to today. I think the yeah. one thing we, we, we haven't gotten to yet, which maybe we can do for 30 seconds real quick is Fisker, uh, trading up now about 9% pre-market. We were been speaking about laggards all day. This one, I it's mean, it's a huge lagger, huge lagger. The only yeah. stock in the market, it seems like trading at its all time lows. Well, not anymore. Now that it's up 8%, um, Fisker shares are trading higher after the company provided a 20, a December, 2023 business update. It's trying to improve some profitability heading forward and, uh, trying to produce some more cars. I mean, look, if you're looking for something in the EV space that's beaten down, you're not going to find a better option in terms of the beaten down part than Fisker. Yeah. I don't know about in terms of the business part. Um, you know, what are you thinking here? It's been a dumpster fire. And, you know, this was stock that I thought could, you know, be, you know, I thought this could be a player in EV. I think we've just got, you know, also issues where the economy and the consumer is just not 
really jumping all over the EV train like maybe we would have thought. I mean, Tesla, obviously, you know, if you're going out buying EV, it seems to be Tesla. Rivian is an interesting call by Kenny, and it seems to be the one. And I've been saying I think Rivian is going to be a player here, and I actually like Kenny's call on Rivian. I think Rivian could be a major mover in 2024. Fisker has the potential for the January effect. It's on my January effect list. It is a dumpster fire. It has been beaten up because of tax loss selling. Guaranteed. There's a lot of stocks that near 52-week lows. This one is. So tax loss selling is holding it down here too. So you could get a relief here, maybe yeah. a relief rally in, in 2024, the start of it. But it's hard oh, to just everyone come in here loves, and say this Everyone is a, loves Rivian. I don't know. It's a turnaround story here now. And, you know, I've given some love. I like Henrik Fisker. I just think we're in an economy where people don't have money for big ticket stuff. They're buying we know GM and Ford, you know, like they've been, you know, okay. They've come back a little bit here since the lows, but, you know, they haven't been your outperformers here. It's been, you know, the relentless iPhone buyer that just doesn't go away. I mean, big ticket stuff, interest rates are still higher. If you're trying to do financing on a car, it's seven, seven and a half percent. It can even be more than, you know, eight or nine, depending on, you know, your credit. I mean, it's just expensive now to go out and buy a new car. And these EVs are not cheap. That's what's working against it. So can it get the pop? Can it get a January pop? I think it's got the potential to get a January pop, but I wouldn't marry this position. I like Rivian a lot better than Fisker at this point in time. Yeah, I actually, I mean, for ever since the IPO, the market has just kind of always hated Rivian. At one point last year, uh, Rivian was actually trading with a lower market cap than it had cash on hand. Of course, it had some, you know, debts and whatever to pay off. But still, I mean, the valuation was crazy at that point. I think it was when it was at like $13 a share. Now it's about double that. But still, I mean. I think Rivian, if you if you've got a long enough time horizon, will be a successful company. Of course, not. I think so. Prob- not there. I'm not saying there aren't problems with it, but if I was gonna take a long shot on one of these like EV companies that hasn't really been established yet, uh, Rivian would probably be the one. I mean, look, bottom line, people here in America, Dennis love their pickup trucks so i think whoever does put out like a good ev pickup truck is gonna be a big winner and i'm not super bullish the cyber truck but that's probably a conversation for another day um coming up on on 9 a.m here market's gonna open here's a trade for you before you go what about a rivian long tesla short how's that i I love i'm curious if there isn't a trade here a rivian long tesla short dollar for dollar just meaning, you know, you short ten thousand worth of Tesla, you buy ten thousand worth of Rivian, and you see how it goes. I think there's a trade there. We're at twenty three sixty on Rivian here right now, and Tesla's trading at two fifty four. I'm just saying, you know, you got Rivian at a twenty two billion dollar market cap. I believe it's going to have a catch up trade with Tesla eventually. I don't think it's ever going to an eight hundred billion dollar market cap. But, you know, if Rivian can double from here to bring it to a $40 billion market cap, and even if Tesla stays the same, you'd make 100% on that trade. I think there's the potential for Rivian to play a little bit of catch up with Tesla, because especially if Ford and GM are struggling to, you know, and they're just, no, we're not going to invest as much as we were in EV before. And we're going with our gas, you know, combustion engines here, you know, and we're going to focus there for now. I think there's a I think there's some room for Rivian here to maybe grab some of Tesla's market share. So um not a huge piece, just like if they could grab one percent, you know, just grab a piece of it. So I, I'm I'm a fan of Rivian here. I agree. I think I think that could be one we continue to watch in 2024. Uh well, Dennis, you got any any parting words to leave us the last time we're gonna see each other, the last time we're gonna speak in 2023. Anything else uh you wanna leave us with? Um just going to say the same thing. This is the end of the year. Expect some volatility at the close. There will be some interesting you know, opportunities where a stock may gap up or gap down the close just because it is the end of the year and the last day, obviously, for you know the window dressing, the tax loss selling. Profit taking, I do expect a bit of it in early January. You often see it. Um, I think you could still see a lot of you know, laggards, though. Um, maybe maybe a leader to laggard trade in early 2024. And the laggards, I have a list here. You know, a stock like Alibaba has been a major laggard. Does that pick it up in early 2024? Potentially. You know, as PayPal has been a major laggard here. Could that do a little catch-up trade? Maybe. You know, Pfizer's been an absolute dog of all dogs. Disney's been an absolute dog of all dogs. Could it do a little catch-up trade in early 2024? If you're looking for laggards, it definitely would fit the list. I got Beyond Meat as one, you know, as a laggard, just in early 2024. Moderna hasn't done anything either. 
Moderna is another one. It started to come up lately. Moderna has moved up a yeah. little bit lately. But I if like you're looking, that. you know, what about that old VinFast thing, VFS? If you're thinking some trash oh, might man. rally in early 2024, um, that one hasn't done anything. That's just been quiet. You know, it was $85 back in August. It's 8 bucks here now. Could there be a little January laggard pop-up in something like a VFS? It's on my list. You know, I'm just looking at it as potential. I even put AMC on the list because this has been the dog of all dogs. Definitely probably some tax loss selling going on in AMC. The stock is down 99% from its all-time high. Could that get a little pop in early 2024? Maybe. We shall see. Also, should mention the, uh, I don't know how many of y'all are out there slinging bonds, but the bond market does close early today at 2 p.m. So I don't know if that's going to impact trading for those last two hours or not. Uh, but just wanted to throw that out there as well. Um, but yeah, we'll be back in the new year. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll be looking at some of these laggards. We'll be talking about our top stocks for 2024. So to make sure to come back Tuesday morning, of course, the market will be closed on Monday for the first for the new year. Uh, but thanks, Dennis, for uh, for letting me come on and hang out with you today. It's been fun. Yeah, AB, great job here again. We've got Mitch taking a back seat here now for a bit here. Um, so AB is going to be with us here for a while. And uh, great job here. Great job. Joel will be back next week. So we'll get the crew back together here. And we're looking to have, you know, a very good 2024. So enjoy your last day. Enjoy your New Year's parties chat. Thank you for a fantastic 2023 to everyone in the chat. And we'll get, let's, you know, stick together and we'll get them in 2024. Yep. And, and, and huge shout out to, to Money Mitch, of course. Uh, and then, yeah. Money as- Mitch has been fabulous here for a long time for us, too. Obviously, Spencer with big shoes to fill. Money Mitch did such a wonderful job. We learned a lot from Money Mitch over, you know, uh, there. And again, we're continuing to learn from Money Mitch here. He's, you know, maybe not going to be front, you know, and center here, but Money Mitch will still be giving us ideas here. We know that. Hundred percent. I just threw my email up there. If you guys have any feedback, any suggestions for the show into the new year, things you want to see, new segments, things like that, please email me, Aaron Bree at Benzinga.com. Very open to feedback. I will not get me by will not get my feelings hurt if you said, Hey man, I want you to do this differently or would love you, you know, whatever. So just please email me. Uh would, would love that feedback in the new year. Dennis, thanks again. We'll we'll see you in 2024. Peace, guys. 